I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Cress robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone, and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Cress robotic lawnmower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit cress.com. Hello and welcome back to the special edition of the Royal Horticultural Society's Gardening Podcast, produced especially for RHS members. It's special because as an early festive treat, we've made this edition available to everyone, whether or not you're already an RHS member. Members can download and enjoy these exclusive podcasts each month from the members area of the website, in addition to our regular fortnightly podcasts. These supplementary podcasts dig deeper into key horticultural issues that concern gardeners and give RHS members even more unique gardening content and seasonal advice. I'm Guy Barter, Chief Horticulturist at the RHS. Coming up later, the concluding part of our in-depth interview with Baroness Floella Benjamin, the newly appointed RHS Ambassador for Young People and Communities. She talks about her own garden, reveals her personal plant passions and the power she believes horticulture has to transform lives. Plus, an update on gardening events coming up in the next few weeks. But first, let's hear some of the questions you've sent to our garden advice team in the last few weeks. Hello, I'm Lee Hunt from the RHS Gardening Advice team here at WISD. Today I'm joined by Guy Barter and Jenny Bowden. Hello. Sarah Smith has emailed in to say that we have two mature Bramley apple trees. They've grown in a half-standard form, which is where they've got a a stem of about uh, two feet. That's uh, 60 centimetres. And then the tree spreads out from that. Unfortunately, these Bramleys are not producing big fruit, but the fruit are about the size of a hen's egg. Now, um, Sarah understands that Bramleys require two pollinators. That's because they're a triploid. Their pollen's no good. Um, So they need... a tree to pollinate them and the tree that pollinates them needs a tree to pollinate that but she's got that in place she's got discovery and she's got charles ross and i think are both good pollinators her james grieve has come to grief that was a good pollinator too but she's also got one called jupiter unfortunately doesn't seem to realize that her jupiter is like bramley a triploid and its pollen is no good but all things considered um she has a, a wide range of trees now this season uh, Sarah's noted that it's been a rather cold, wet spring, but um, even so, it's been many years since she had a Bramley that was larger than a cricket ball. What to do? Lee, have you any thoughts? Okay, right. Well, uh, I think, first of all, we have to think about is it actually a pollination problem? And the first thing that she says is she's actually getting egg sized fruit. So, 
if those flowers couldn't be pollinated because the insects weren't flying or it had been frosty or it's been wet then no fruit so i think we can generally rule out issues with pollination so all the trees that she's got the discovery of the charles frosts etc are right and they're doing their job um, so it kind of makes me wonder a lot about the health of the tree and the fact that we're getting small fruits um, sort of indicates that there might be some problem with the um, the actual health of the tree itself. So I'm thinking, well, if the others are growing well, has this got a root problem? Has it got um, a root disease? Um, or has there been some rotting at the base? And that's the, really the next thing I do is go right in at the base of that plant, have a good look. So take a, a trowel or your fingers if it's lighter soil and scoop in at the bottom where it, the trunk goes into the ground. Um, initially check because you should find that the uppermost roots are just covered. If it, the soil's got deeper, you might actually find there's rotten bark around the base and that in itself could be enough to start to cause the tree to decline. But if it's at the right level, the soil just covering the roots, go a bit further, look for any cracked peeling, obviously soft rotten bark and investigating those areas because it could indicate for example that one of the root diseases like honey fungus or phytophthora is at work and they're you know they're, they're potentially quite an issue with apple trees but they're also quite big apples so they need an awful lot of water to swell those fruits so you know when you think of the uh, fruit trees up on our fruit field even the very old apple trees planted in in the 1950s uh, they have irrigation lines on them and uh, you know they need water constant water from the fruit set all the way up to harvest really uh, just just something to bear in mind just how much extra water fruit does need to swell and also if there's too much fruit being uh, ripened on the tree then it can't it can't make them all swell so thinning fruit is a good idea as well i'm not so sure about that i mean half standard trees are big and a big tree can pretty well look after itself and thinning fruit on a big tree is going to be a mighty big lot of ladder work so i'm inclined to think the tree is overcropping and the management of the cropping is required and that's going to require a certain amount of pruning over a number of years of the upper branches and as happily i'm delighted to say there's a comprehensive guide of that available on the Royal Horticultural Society website. Also it's worth considering if the tree is in grass. Um, if there's grass growing under a tree a tree can be starved uh, so to prevent starvation apply a nitrogen and potassium rich fertilizer in January. The winter rain will wash it down to the tree roots and it won't all be snaffled by the grass and that too may um, help the tree sustain its rather heavy cropping that it's doing at the moment. The next email is from Donby Wallage. Dear RHS, we live on a hill in West Aberdeenshire in good farming country. Can you please advise us on two following things? A suitable time and method for planting gooseberry bushes and an appropriate food for young beech trees. I think we should probably add timing to the feeding as well in this case. Uh, right, who wants to start with the gooseberries? Well, um, gooseberries are incredibly easy fruit and uh, they should be perfectly feasible to plant them. Um, usually, you plant them between October and March, and if you can get bare root ones, that's ones that are not grown in pots, but dug out of the ground and sold with their roots carefully wrapped so they don't dry out, um, and you plant them immediately on receipt, um, usually you can get those and plant those between October and March. More commonly, you buy ones that are grown in pots, 
and they can be planted at any time but even so it's still better to to do it between october and march if you possibly can they're really robust plants but even robust plants need careful watering for the first summer or two after planting um, it's important to buy plants that have got a stalk that is known in technical parlance as a leg and this leg holds the bush um, maybe about uh, 25 centimeters that's 10 inches above the soil uh, so you don't get too many suckers suckers on gooseberries are definitely not what you want uh, so uh, by and large gooseberries are exceptionally easy to grow i'd be tempted as well to put um, some suppressing membrane underneath because uh, particularly on allotment if you get cooch grass creeping in under that fine root network it's quite difficult to pull out so just uh, slitting the sheet putting it underneath around the stem I think is a good way of keeping that at bay. Jenny what do you think about the feeding for the beech trees? Yeah I'd be feeding uh, young beech trees uh, with a general purpose fertiliser. If you want to go down the organic route then I'd be looking at chicken manure pellets and otherwise a general purpose fertiliser like Growmore would be absolutely suitable and uh, also I would give them a mulch with some well-rotted garden compost or farmyard manure. And what time would you choose for that? Again, I'd probably be doing that in April time. I mean, in terms of the fertiliser side of it, the plants aren't really going to be able to fertilise until the soil starts to warm up anyhow. So I, I wouldn't do it any earlier than that. I think it's worth mentioning that it's really, really important with young trees that grass is not allowed to grow around the base. Mm. And I would definitely keep the base of young trees uh, free of grass for at least three years um, after planting and I would aim to have the grass free area to extend about a metre that's about three foot more than the spread of the branches in those initial years it makes all the difference and uh, fertiliser uh, is of much less importance than preventing competition for available water from grass and finally we've got an email here from Vali Rabadia uh, who's grown a pear tree from a cutting from a friend's garden. It's now about 12 years old and the tree has grown vigorously. She's trimmed it a couple of times but it doesn't give any fruit at all. It's had a feed with chicken manure a few times but still no joy. So what can she do to try and get this pear to fruit? Well, this is a really interesting question because fruiting pears are really rather difficult to grow from cuttings. Um, so first of all, I wonder if it really is a pear that needs to be looked into. And secondly, I wonder um, if it really is a pear, whether it's actually taken from a sucker um, or a vigorous young shoot from near the base of the tree. Most pears are grown on a quince rootstock. Um, so that has a slightly different leaf to a pear. So it should be possible to, to tell the difference because the shoots from the below the graft or from low down on a tree are juvenile they've got an excellent rooting ability trees can be juvenile when they root well or they can be adult when they root badly and most pears are adult and propagated by grafting um, so this is a really interesting case having said all that although it's really interesting i think if you want fruit um, it's probably better to throw in the towel and get a a good quality grafted pear tree and uh, see whether that won't do rather better because they used to say uh, grow pears for your heirs know, before we had all these modern rootstocks that um, actually encouraged them to fruit quicker so i think there's this potential as well that um, we haven't got that 
added advantage of having the rootstock attached so it's, it's just going to take longer even if we do finally get there so it might be one that you are planting for 20 30 years hence well it is a very attractive tree um even if it doesn't flower it has nice autumn color but um the point of pears really is fruit and uh, nowadays you can buy such a good tree relatively cheaply i think it's best to to um to invest it could be very big because i've certainly seen pears that can be 40 50 feet when they haven't had rootstocks to control them indeed we have some splendid pear trees here at wisley that are not grown for fruit but grown for attractiveness and they are very attractive trees with extremely um characterful bark as well as autumn color uh, so if you've got plenty of space and don't mind getting your pears from the supermarket you could certainly leave it The RHS Gardening Advisory Team. Remember that RHS members can ask for advice from our experts for free on any gardening topic on the phone, by post or by email. So if you have a horticultural issue you'd like help with, please do get in touch. For contact details, please see rhs.org.uk forward slash advice service. All through the year, we hold a wide variety of events at our four RHS gardens, partner gardens, and at our headquarters at Vincent Square in London. And as Christmas approaches, there are lots of winter activities to enjoy. Why not? Join us at Wisley for a Christmas shopping evening and light switch on on the 30th of November. Find sparkling seasonal decorations, unique gifts, plants and books to make your Christmas shopping a pleasure. Harlow Car has its own seasonal shopping showcase, so why not visit the Shop and Plant Centre for festive treats, inspiration and the opportunity to meet the maker on the weekends of the 26th of November and the 10th of December. Explore an array of stalls selling unique and inspiring gifts at the Christmas Sparkle Gift Fair at Hyde Hall on the 3rd and 4th of December. And finally... If you're down in the West Country, join us at Rosemore for the Magical Winter Garden Illuminations, which run Thursdays to Saturdays, 4pm to 8.30pm until 7th of January. All these events are free with normal garden admission, so if you're an RHS member, it won't cost you a penny to get in. If you're not a member, there are discounted late admission prices to Wisley and Rosemore for visitors to the Illuminations. You can find details of these and many more events and attractions on our website. Earlier this year, the RHS was delighted to announce that Baroness Floella Benjamin had become the charity's ambassador for young people and communities. She joins a high-profile list of RHS representatives including Alan Titchmarsh, Mary Berry, Jekka McVicker and Adam Frost. Baroness Benjamin is passionate about promoting the benefits that access to plants, gardens and gardening can give individuals and communities. She also adores spending time in her own garden, which reflects her vivacious personality and her diverse heritage. The podcast team spoke to her about her passion for plants. I've got a big garden and being both my husband and I, we're very busy. We haven't got time to really... Um, cultivate the garden you know with with the sort of flowers here and neatly prune there we haven't got time for that that's why I like that kind of free-spirited garden that wild garden I went to Highgrove once the Prince Charles's house and I saw his garden I thought hey 
that's what our garden looks like. It was wild. It was free. It was uh, exuberating. And everybody who comes to our house love going into our garden because you don't feel limited and restricted. And there were, there were two very precious things in my garden. One is a red rose bush. And that was planted 35 years ago when my son was born. The red rose for him. So as you look out the kitchen window, it's there, prominent. Beautiful smell. The pungent smell of that red rose, ruby red rose. And when it blossoms, I always send him a photograph. He lives in Dubai. And we send him a picture and say, Aston, look at your rose now. I know your life is blossoming because you can tell what's happening through the rose bush, how it's growing. So I planted that 35 years ago. And then my husband and I planted at the other end of the garden, a pink rose for our daughter, who's now 27 years old. And that rose is blossoming beautifully as well. And she, when she was a teenager, she was not a bit confused about who she was and where she was going, because my son was very, uh, he achieved a lot. And when you've got a brother or a sister who's a high achiever, you sometimes worry whether you can match up to them or where you're going. So it took her a while to find her confidence and to know that she could be just as good as her brother, if not better. And so her rose took her a little, little longer to truly blossom. And she said to me just the other day, she said to me, Mum, mum, look at my rose. It's feeling just the way I am because it's the most pink, pretty, gorgeous, tall, elegant rose that you could find. And again, the smell, when you go into that garden, the smell of those two rose bushes really gets you. I've also got um, two holly bushes in the garden. And we got those, my husband and I, we got that. We picked a, a cuttings, two, two cuttings when we went to Cornwall. And we loved this particular holly bush that we saw. What we didn't realize that what we had picked was a male and a female, planted it. And every year we get the most beautiful holly bush with so many red berries. And I picked the red berries and I picked the holly and I put it around the house. So for Christmas, we have it around there and it's beautiful and it's there uh, at the far end of the garden. So every time you look out of the garden, you see this holly bush, which we've had to prune because it's getting so big. And our garden is synonymous with the power of good. And when you look out, you smile because it's telling you, welcome. It's like, it's like this kind of a cocoon of joy and happiness. And anybody who comes to our house, they don't want to leave. Because there's something about the house and the garden is an extension of the house and the love and the joy that we created for our children. And when our children were little, children from all over, all around, used to want to come and play in our garden. And I used to love hearing the thrills of joy and laughter and the shrieks of laughter that used to come out of our garden. Because children loved it. And my husband was always, he was a bit of an inventor, creating, you know, like water fights for them. And we used to have a long table. In the evenings, we'd have like, say, an Italian meal with spaghetti and singing, Dos Juan Godnero. And the kids would love it. And that's what my garden's about, joy and happiness. 
And for our daughter, she had an 18th birthday party in the garden. Where we got a huge marquee up. And people from all over, all her friends from school um, and university, because she just started university, came. And they all said, ah, there's something special about this place. Now it comes from the heart. And when you're spiritually linked to your world, to other people, through nature, through the ground that you're walking on, then that transports you and takes you to a new place and other people come into your environment, they then feel secure and happy because they know they're with people who love them and who know about the power of good. That's what my garden's about. RHS Ambassador for Young People and Communities, Baroness Floella Benjamin. You can hear the first part of that fascinating interview in episode 94 of the RHS Gardening Podcast, which is available to download from the RHS website or from iTunes. In that episode, you can also hear expert picks of plants to give for seasonal interest and stunning autumn colour in your garden, big or small. Well, that's all we've got time for this month. Until next time, from me, Guy Barter, and all the RHS Gardening Podcast team, goodbye. I'm walking down the path in my garden and I have a suggestion for you on how you could help with global warming. With a large lawn, I found a simple way of making a big difference. I sold my ride-on mower and bought a top-of-the-range Crest robotic lawnmower. It runs off rechargeable batteries and uses cutting-edge technology to mow and maintain a lawn this size. The petrol mower has gone and with it, the emissions. I actually don't know why I didn't sell the ride-on sooner. With the Crest Robotic Lawn Mower, the lawn is actually looking better. The tiny grass cuttings fall into the grass roots, helping to fertilize the grass. And the family doesn't have to put up with the noise and fumes from the ride-on. And I've freed up more of my time to spend with them and in the garden. It's an easy step. And you could also be making that change today. Ask for Cress in your local garden machinery dealer. Or visit Cress.com. Discover the beauty of an RHS membership all year round. Save 25% off an RHS membership today when paying by direct debit. Prices start at just £55.50. With a membership, you'll gain access to an array of special events at our gardens all year round. Be the first to know about RHS flower shows and get exclusive member-only days plus reduced rate tickets. And you'll have the chance to enhance your gardening know-how with access to free expert garden advice, monthly editions of The Garden magazine, and so much more. Terms and conditions apply.